0: Uh, you know, I think it's funny because, you know, that's my sense of humor. Jesus sees the ladies that after they left the tomb, they don't recognize him. You know, he's, uh, uh, they, they think he's the gardener. And what does he say? Morning. And just like it was, you know, just another morning. And, and it was, I mean, it was just another morning. Because he said he was going to do it. Just like he said they were going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and, and they went, regardless of the storm. Just like he said he was going uh, to suffer, he did. Just like he said he was coming back, he will. It was just another morning. Just good morning. So this morning, uh, you know, to, to take that uh, maybe one step further, Jesus is saying good morning to you. Thank you for being here this morning to worship him. I know this is a great family day uh, for us to, to celebrate with each other. But we must never make family our idol. Jesus is who we worship, not our family. And I thank you for being here this morning to come and worship Him. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Now this will be our, uh, our, last, this is our last message on pray like this, looking at the model prayer. Jesus wraps up his, his explanation on how to pray here, wraps up the model prayer right at this point. Uh, we're going to do some other things for a few weeks after, uh, after, we, uh, after today. So we won't be back in the Sermon on the Mount for a few, for a few weeks. We're going to take a little break from that. We're going to look at something else for a few weeks. But uh, this, it, we are wrapping it up today, and it, it could not have ended on a better day. For us to talk about forgiveness, because that's the last two verses verses fourteen and fifteen of chapter six of Matthew is where we 're going to be. Jesus talking about forgiveness, but before we look at that, let me just uh, you know give you a duh statement. there have existed over the years quite a few bad people, right? I mean we immediately probably have some come to mind. I, I found some that you you probably weren't aware of I mean you, maybe if uh, you're, you're a big news watcher. You might have known of some of these, others uh, uh, you might not have. This gentleman here, uh, his name is Earl Bradley. He was a pediatrician. Uh, he was convicted on 529 counts of molesting, raping, exploiting, and or abusing 127 children. That's that gentleman right there. Uh, this is Donald Henry Gaskins. He claimed to have killed 80 to 90 people. He was only convicted on eight counts of murder, though. Uh, he holds the distinction of being the only man to have ever killed another man on death row, another person on death row. Um, interesting distinction there. Uh, this is getting more into my area, my age of remembering here. Jeffrey Dahmer. We remember this, this fella, uh, raped and murdered 17 men and boys. And If you remember some of his more grotesque crimes, he, uh, well, we won't get too much detail there, but uh, he, yeah, rough dude. Uh, this is a little bore, before my time, but I do remember uh, when he was executed, Ted Bundy, he was convicted, he raped and murdered 15 women uh, he kept 12 of their heads as trophies. Not a nice guy, right? I'm not trying to make you all sick this morning. I am actually proving a point. Uh, of course, we know this gentleman, uh, Adolf Hitler. Now that's, that's what we think of right when we think of bad people. I mean, that's, that's when we think of a really bad person. This is the first guy that comes to mind. Well, it, it fits. Uh, he killed five and a half to six million Jews and others in concentration camps. Uh, he was responsible for 19.3 there about million civilians and POWs uh, because of not uh, uh, during the war. Um, 29 million uh, military personnel and civilians were killed because of the war. So basically, he is responsible, give or take, for about 55 million the deaths of about 55 million people. Uh, Pol Pot. A little before my time, uh, he was the leader of the Khmer Rouge in, in Cambodia. Uh, for a while, it was named, the country was named Kampuchea. I don't know if it still is or not. I can't keep up with Asian politics. Uh, he is responsible for the deaths of 1 to 3 million people. It doesn't sound like a big number when you compare it to Hitler's 55 million, until you realize that that is 25% of the Cambodian population that he's responsible for their death. So he took out a quarter of a country all by himself. Then we have here uh, Joseph Stalin. Estimates on him, who the number of deaths he was responsible for, range from uh, 3 to 60 million. But about the best number that they can come up with and actually maybe put some, some paper, pen and paper to, is about 20 million people that Stalin is responsible for. Some bad dudes, this next guy, uh, that is, oh, shoot. (laughs) Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's Michael Linton. Uh, My mother-in-law's here, she can, she can add some things, I'm sure. Uh, He committed, well, we won't get into everything he's done. But hopefully you can see the point, right? That wall of shame, that wall of shame welcomes my picture. The, the reality is, it welcomes all of our pictures. There's not a single one of these guys that were up there, and, and there were ladies too, I'm sure, there, there were a number of bad women as well that just worked out to be men this time. Not a single one of them was beyond forgiveness and salvation. Not Hitler's 55 million, not the pediatrician with the 127 uh, kids that he wronged, none of them. As a matter of fact, Ted Bundy, uh, there's stories that Dahmer did as well, but we know for a fact Ted Bundy accepted Christ in prison. James Dobson did an interview with him uh, later on where Ted Bundy gave us a a wonderful uh, explanation of the extreme danger of pornography and how it contributed to what he did. So it, 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 none of them were beyond it. And what we have to understand is, is that as Christians, forgiveness is a hallmark of us. It is something that, that we are Stamped, we are recognized by. You know what a hallmark is? It's not a card, Uh, it's not a store that sells cards. A hallmark is on your jewelry. If you have some sort of jewelry, the, the, the jeweler stamps his hallmark on there. Now, that may not be impressive for some of you know anything I'm wearing at the moment, but if you have a lamp from you know the 20s. Uh, and, And on the bottom is a hallmark that says, Tiffany and company, you've got something worth having. Forgiveness for us, for Christians, is that hallmark. And forgiveness is a hallmark among us because it's what made us to begin with. Forgiveness is the only way to experience salvation. So what you can do is you can insert your picture right up there on that screen along with Earl Bradley and Adolf Hitler and Michael linton some of the biggest sinners in history. We're there too. Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, for if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing. This is maybe one of the most interesting verses in the Bible um, and we're going to get to why just at, at first blush you're thinking, okay, if I want to be saved I have to forgive somebody, right? I have to forgive people. Well, keep that in mind but let me give you the short answer of no. And we'll get to it in a minute because we need to understand what Jesus is doing here. First of all, this, this passage, 14 and 15 is a commentary on verse 12 in the, the uh Model prayer where Jesus said, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago when we talked about that verse. That what he is saying in, in verse 12 is, Lord, show me mercy. Let me understand the mercy you've given me as I show mercy, as I show forgiveness to others. Lord, use your forgiveness of me to encourage. My forgiveness of others. Okay, so we see that there. And we, then Jesus just takes it and expands a little, little bit so that we completely understand it. He's telling us something that, that many other scriptures have told us throughout the Bible. Uh, many scriptures connect forgiveness with prayer. Telling us that unforgiveness forgiveness negatively affects our prayer life. If we want to understand, if we want to be able to, to communicate openly with God, if we want to be able to, uh, to talk to Him and, and have the, this, this un, uh, uh, unclouded line of communication then we need to not only have our sins taken care of, and I'm not talking about our, our sins washed at the cross, I'm not talking about our, our sinlessness in position to God, I'm talking about our daily sins that we still commit and still affect our, our, our relationship and our communication negatively. We not only need to have those taken care of, but we need to have those sins among ourselves taken care of. Those debts, those transgressions, particularly those things that you did to me that I need to forgive you for, regardless of your opinion of the situation. Here at the church, when it rains, apparently we get water in the phone lines. And so when, when we call, when somebody calls, uh, you know, it rings fine and I'll pick it up and I'll hear this, <laughs> as I'm trying to listen, this horrible noise. It's, 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 it's a distraction. It's, it's interference with communication. I don't know if the other people hear it. They've never said anything about it, but I do it. It interferes with my ability to hear the person on the other end. Isn't that exactly what our sinfulness does in our communication with God? Our, our prayers, we, we sometimes feel like they don't get past the ceiling. But in reality, you know, God is everywhere. God's all-knowing, all over the place. You know, so he, he doesn't suddenly say, oh, 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 okay, now I hear you. But really it affects my ability to hear him when I'm sinful. When I don't have forgiveness in my life toward other people. When my life is not what it should be in relationship to God, not what it should be in my attitudes and actions, my prayer life is affected negatively. As a matter of fact, James 5 verse 16 says, the urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. We have the same problem when... uh, we, we have dish like most of y'all do, or no, we don't have dish, we have direct TV, but we, we have a dish, right, because we don't have cable in Nixon. Um, we have to get these dishes, and if there's a bad storm, what happens? Can't watch TV. The, the signal is affected. The, the, there's, there's a breakdown in communication. There's, there's something bad getting in the way, and what is supposed to happen won't because of what's going on. The effective, or the the urgent request, the urgent prayer of a righteous person, someone where there may still be storms, I'm not talking about the storms of, 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 of bad situations, I'm talking about the storms of my sin. Those storms get in the way and my prayer is no longer effective. That machinery is no longer effective when that storm passes over my house. In life... If I want to have, and this is what Jesus is telling us, ending the model prayer this way, if you want your prayer to be effective, if you want to, when you pray like this, if you want that prayer to have an effect, then there are things you need to get correct in your life. One, verse 12, forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. So what's he talking about? Well, he says, forgive people, right? Forgive people of their uh, wrongdoing. This is particularly talking about those who affect you directly. Going back to verse 12, forgive my sins, my trespasses, my debts, as I forgive those who have sinned against me. Now, of all, the, all those people on that screen, the only one on there that has truly sinned against any of you, well, that could only have possibly sinned against you, was me. I was the only one on there that y'all know personally that, that has some connection to your life. So, you have to forgive me if I have sinned against you. Sorry, you don't have a choice. You don't have an option. You have to. Because we're told to. Now, if you want to pray for, for those guys, and, 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 and you should, it, but, but we need to understand it's not my job to, to forgive the whole world. I don't have to forgive Hitler of what he did. Oh, sure, we can, you know, there, there are a lot of people affected, and I know a lot of people in here, including Etta and my mother in law, can trace their. Uh, uh, lineage back to Germans who came over during World War II, right? Wasn't that when uh, Granddad uh, Fox's, his family came over and 12 kids and said, bye, put them in orphanages uh, in the '38. Thirty-nine range somewhere in that now I'm, now I'm really testing your your family <laughs> history knowledge. Uh, I've I've heard all that, but I, I can't remember. And and and, and sent them, ma'am. He was five. He was five when they came. Put them out. So, and then they were adopted by various families, and some of them have reconnected, and some of them haven't. So so in in my family, we were. They were, and by extension, now me. Directly affected by the acts of at least one of the people on that screen. So so there is possibly some forgiveness there that has to take place. But my point is, we don't have to go around uh, forgiving these people that that have done all these things. It's not our job, but do pray for them. I mean, it's a little late for a lot of those guys. There are plenty of others that have sinned greatly in our world today that need our prayer much more than they need our condemnation. Their condemnation is assured. They don't need me to condemn them. They need me to pray for them. They need me to do what I can, maybe if it's through the International Mission Board or something like that, to make sure the gospel gets to them somehow, some way. That's what they need from me. And that's what they need from you. We're going to talk about Greek grammar here very quickly. We don't have this this tense in English called the aorist tense, but what it means in Greek is it is a completed action. It's usually something in the past, but not necessarily, but it is is complete. It is over and done with. That's the tense of this verb, forgive people. Uh, it, it, It immediately should make us think, okay, if I forgive them, then that means I can't bring it up again later on. Because it's in the past, it's over, it's done with. I have forgiven people. Jesus says, you forgive them and leave it there. Drop it. Forget about it. But Jesus, what if they do it again? Forgive them, leave it there, drop it. But what if they do it one more time? Well, we don't have to wonder because Peter, you remember, went to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm an incredibly spiritual guy say it that way, but that's what he meant, right? Jesus, I, I have listened to you now for these last three months. I think I got it, or however long you've been with him, maybe a year, maybe a year and a half. But I think I've got this whole thing. I know where you're going. I know what you're talking about. I've got it. Look, so, so Jesus, here, let me ask you a question. How many times should I forgive somebody? Oh, wait, but Jesus, like seven. Seven times, right? Because I'm good. I know what you're going to, seven. And Jesus says, Peter, you're stupid. You, he didn't say that either, but I would have said it. Peter, you, you, you think you've got me figured out. You think you, oh, oh, you, you, you think you even understand mercy and grace, that there's like an end to it. I mean, it's big, right? It's, it's like, we, 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 we know the, the earth is big, right? It's, it's a huge ball, and then we think, okay, but the solar system, that's bigger, right? And then we think, the galaxy, well, that's huge. And we, we think big like that. But then when we understand that we've not seen the outer limit of the universe yet, we don't even know how big it is. And maybe it's expanding. Maybe it's coming back. We don't know. Science can't exactly tell us, but they have some ideas. But we have no clue of the size. That's, that's what Jesus that was the terms Jesus talked in. Peter was talking in earth-sized terms. So, so J- Jesus, you want me to forgive seven times? I know that sounds like a big number to you, Peter, Jesus says. But no, not, not seven times, but, but seven times 70. There's a great cartoon that shows Jesus saying that to Peter. And, and down at the bottom, it says something like, you know, it's not bad enough. I've got to figure this whole religion thing out. Now I've got to do math. Um, that is my dilemma, y'all. Uh, but I do know seven times 70 is 490. But what we also know is he didn't actually say maybe seven times 70, but it was more of a, you know, like 70 sevens. It sevens. It was not meant to be a number. It was meant to be a, a, a forever. No, Peter, you say seven. I'm telling you, you don't stop. You forgive infinitely. Oh, we don't like that. I mean, you know, once bitten, twice shy, right? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Or as George Bush would have said, fool you with you and me three times when we went to one time and then it was like that one time too. Or however he said it. Y'all know that? I've got to be an equal opportunity, make funner of politicians. You know, I can't just pick on one or two. Um, Just thought he was so good. Forgive those who have done something against you. Forgive those who have sinned against you as many times as they sin against you. But because, because, he says, that's what God has done, right? He says, your heavenly Father will forgive as you forgive, past tense, over and done with, put it in the past, I will, or rather the Heavenly Father will, future tense, forgive you. Final judgment, forgive you. Now, interesting. I would have liked it better if, if that verb had been more of a present tense verb. So, when you Forgive people in the past, over and done with. Let it go, let it go. Uh, I will, right now, forgive you and let it go. And then, as you put things in your past, I will forgive you and and and, and, and we'll have we'll we'll fix things. And then somebody does something, and you put it in your past, but see where I'm still right with you. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, as you put things in your past, I will take care of the forgiveness in the future. It sounds a lot like the two things hinge on one another. I'm I'm going to tell you, they, they don't really hinge on one another. One is not dependent directly on the other, but they are connected. But understand this, Christian especially... It is a dangerous hypocrisy, Christian, of seeking forgiveness from God while refusing to forgive your brother. It is a dangerous hypocrisy to go to God and say, God, forgive me. And he might even ask you, and and maybe not in audible terms, but you're thinking in your head, well, why He should he forgive me? Well, he said he would. He said he would on the cross. I've trusted him as my savior. I know my sins are forgiven. I know that I will go to heaven with him. So, so when I come to him and ask for forgiveness for these daily sins of mine, I know he'll forgive me because he said he would. And, and then I, I, I imagine him asking, oh, well, me, but did you forgive your brother or your sister? Well, no. Did you not see what they did to me? And then maybe he says, these things you're asking me to forgive you for, did, did you not see what they did to me? And then maybe, maybe God brings Jesus to the fore and, and, and says, did, did you not, now, he doesn't work this way, because this is, this is what like manipulative people do, but the, you know, this just helps me grasp it. He, said, he points to his son's hands and feet and says, did you not see what your sins did to him and, and I forgave you? anyway? Maybe. Maybe that's how the conversation goes in your head. But, but we need to understand that if we are not willing to forgive others, why would we even think that we stand to, to receive the forgiveness from God? We see it clearly in, in the, the, the parable of the unforgiving slave, Matthew chapter 18 uh, verses 23 and following. I talked about it a few weeks ago, too, when I talked about verse 12. The slave, uh, I'll remind you, goes, uh, uh, is called before his master. He owes an, a nearly infinite amount, like years and years of wages that he will never be able to pay off. And the, the, the master says, well, you're going to have to go to prison until you can pay it off. He will never be able to pay it off. Don't, don't miss that point. He will never be able to pay it off, and he certainly won't be able to pay it off if he's in prison, not earning money to pay it off. So this is an eternal debt that receives an eternal punishment. And the man begs and begs and says, just give me time, I'll do it. No, he won't. He can never repay the debt. Give me time and I'll do it. And the master says, you know what? I'm going to show mercy on you. Forget it. No no debt at all. You're good. There's no debt. You don't have to work to do it. You don't have to work to pay it off. You're not going to be punished for it. Books are cleared. You're good. Oh, thank you. And he goes out and he finds his uh, fellow servant who owes him like a day's wage, a couple of days wages, something like that. He says, pay me or I'll throw you in prison. He says, I don't have it. Give me a few days and I'll have it. Because he will, right? It's a day's wage. And in a few days, he'll have a day's wage. He could do that. No big deal. And the guy says, forget it. No, you're going to prison until you can pay it off. Sends him to prison. A temporary punishment for a temporary or a very small debt, and the master hears about it and says, "You fool! I forgave you so much, and you wouldn't forgive this guy what he was, what he owed you. So you're going to prison now—the eternal punishment for an eternal, an eternally large debt." Hear the message of the story. That slave who refused to forgive the debt understood forgiveness from the master, had heard about forgiveness from the master, had even said, that is great. I would love to have that forgiveness from the master. But when he walked away, there was no change in his life. He was no different after the forgiveness of the debt than he was before the forgiveness of the debt. He walked away, he lived his life as he saw fit, and once the judgment came, he, found, he was found not to be among the saved. That's the story. That's how, what Jesus is telling us. If, if we go to Matthew chapter 13, we hear that again in the parable of the seed that was cast. Some of the seed fell on good soil and grew up and, 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 and made a crop, but others went through various stages of apparent growth, appearing to be healthy, when in fact, when the time came, they were found not to be fruitful plants. They weren't found to have grown at all, actually never have been any kind of good plant or Christian. Interesting. So, Michael, isn't it? doesn't it sound like if we don't forgive people, we can't be saved? Well, I'm going to make it even harder on you, just for a second. Did you know that all the judgment scenes in the New Testament, when it talks about the uh, uh, people coming before the judgment seat, every one of them, what are they based on? Who goes to the right and who goes to the left? Is it ever... Did you trust me as your Savior? No, 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 it's not. It's, it's always works, isn't it? It's, it's always what you do. Uh, you, he tells the, 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 the sheep on the right, you, you visited me in prison, you gave me uh, something to drink, you gave me food, you clothed me. When did we do that? We didn't even know we did it. Well, when you took care of one of the least of, uh, of my disciples, so you get to come up here. You didn't. You didn't clothe me. You didn't visit me. Well, when did we we not do it? Well, when you didn't do it to one of the least of my disciples. So therefore, you will be, uh, you're on the left. You're you're going to hell. Michael, you are telling me right here Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, that if I do good things, I go to heaven. If I do bad things, I go to hell. No, no I'm not. What I am telling you is that your actions prove your faith. When Jesus says, Forgive and your heavenly father will forgive. Don't forgive and your heavenly father won't forgive. What he is telling them is not that because you don't forgive, God won't forgive. But do you see how you won't forgive? That's because God hasn't forgiven. You have not received the forgiveness that he's offering. Did you know that, and there's some Some people would disagree with me on this, but Jesus died for all the sins of all people everywhere. Period. Jesus died for Hitler's sins. Jesus died died for Pol Pot's sins. Jesus died for Earl Bradley's sins. Jesus died for Michael Linton's sins. All of those sins are forgiven, but until there is a personal response, there is no forgiveness of those sins. So Jesus can say, uh, can tell us in the parable that the slave, your your debt is forgiven, but obviously that slave did not receive that gift of a forgiven debt the way he should have. He didn't personalize it. Oh, he, you know, he went to the bank or whatever and said, woo, but he didn't make that a part of his life. It did not change him. The, the, the seed that falls on the rocky soil, it, it, it sprouts up really quick. It looks like something good, but there's nothing there. There's no root. The, the, what comes and falls on the hard-packed pavement is eaten by, by birds. They, 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 they heard the gospel, but nothing happened with it. When we hear the gospel, but we do not change our actions prove our lack of faith and our lack of salvation. So that we get to the judgment scenes in the New Testament and Jesus can say, when you get to that judgment seat as, as a model, again, as, as, a, as, as an analogy, as a, as a picture of what it's going to look like, He can say, we'll separate you. My Father and I will separate you and we can easily do it by your actions because we know the root of your actions. The people on the right didn't even know that they had helped people. They had done those things. And those are a few things Jesus was talking about, just a few things. Not all of life, not everything. He was proving a point there. But those few things, that, when did we do that? I would imagine some of us, hopefully, would have to say, well, I don't remember forgiving those people. But, but because of Jesus in your life, you just forgive people. You don't hold grudges. For some of us, it's not an extra effort on our part. For others, it it is. So, let me reiterate that your forgiving does not save you. You forgiving somebody else doesn't save you. Matthew goes on later on and is very clear, specifically in uh, Matthew chapter 20, uh, another uh, parable, that... Your merits don't save you. This is the parable where the, uh, the, the vineyard owner is trying to get people to come in and work for him and, and harvest. And he, he you know, gets up first hour, six o'clock in the morning, time to work. He hires some guys, says, this is your wage, right? Day's wage, got it, good deal, okay, go to work. And he still not getting enough done, so he hires some later on in the day. Then, after lunch, he hires some more. And then, an hour before the shift is over, he hires another crew. He pays them all the same amount. Now, the ones that had been working all day were a little upset about that, and his answer was, did we not agree on what to... What, you, was that not a fair wage this morning? Why is it not a fair wage now? It's my money, I can give it how I want to. You said that was good, they said it was good, you have no argument. But the point is, I mean, one of the points was, we've served you all our lives and this is all we get kind of thing, is like bad apples over, I mean, sour grapes over here. But the other point was, the grace was to everybody. They all received the same amount of grace. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian since you were four or you're a Christian a few hours before you die. Become a Christian a few hours before you, you die. The grace is the same. It, it doesn't come because you were good or better than somebody else. It doesn't come by merit. As I said earlier, actions prove faith. Your willingness to forgive proves your salvation. Your f- willingness to forgive does not earn your salvation. What we have to understand is that Born-again believers should exemplify the uh, there it is. Born-again believers should exemplify the attributes of their adoptive father. Janie, Marie, and, and Jace, we we laugh regularly at them when we don't want to strangle them. But what we laugh about is how much. They are becoming like us, parents, their brothers, and 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 we just we just laugh because of the whole nature versus nurture things. I mean, some there are a few things that are. We might could say is nature, but so much of what they're doing and the way they're acting and their some of their characteristics are are nurture. They they just you know they just act like us a lot of times. Act like the boys, facial expressions, the their responses. This it's stuff they picked up. Why? Well, because we're their we're their parents, right? You begin to to act like the people you live with, the, the people you spend the most time with. Some people say even pet owners begin to look like their dogs. I'm not going to point at anybody in here. You know, I don't want to do that. But we as born-again believers should, should begin to look like our father once he has adopted us, once that is who we spend all of our time with, most of our time with. What we have to understand is that mercy should produce mercy. Mercy, what is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Or, yeah, getting what you don't deserve, but talking about good things, not bad things. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. The first slave did not deserve to have his debt uh, forgiven. The second slave didn't deserve to have his debt forgiven. But mercy was shown to the first, not to the second. I, right up there with Hitler and Pol Pot and Joseph Stalin, did not deserve mercy. Neither do they. And yet, it was provided for everyone. We can all receive it. And if I have received it, then I should be willing to give it. Mercy should lead to mercy. Maybe you struggle to forgive because you've never experienced forgiveness through Jesus. Maybe you can't put your finger on forgiveness and offer it to somebody else because you can't explain how to forgive because you've never been forgiven. Oh, people say they forgive you, but it's not the same, y'all. To have somebody forgive you for stepping on their foot is not the same as having someone forgive you for your sins that nailed him to a cross. There's a big difference. Maybe you've never experienced that. Maybe your prayers are weak now because you've never prayed for Jesus to save you. Though the prayer doesn't save you, but there is a crying out to him of God forgive me through your son Jesus. There is a prayer that is prayed when you accept Christ. Maybe your prayer has no effect because, well, you're, you're, you're not righteous. I'm not talking about you're perfect, but you're not positionally righteous. Your sins have not been forgiven as a personal response or because of a personal response from you to Jesus. Maybe today, as we celebrate the resurrection, as we glory in the fact that the the man who, who stood among the disciples and said, forgive as you have been forgiven, then just a little while later went to the cross looked down on the people that had put him there and said, Father, forgive them. Really? And you can't forgive somebody who ticked you off 20 years ago. But Jesus can look down at the cross, from the cross and say, forgive the ones who just nailed me to this wood. What did I say earlier? I want to I get it right. It's a dangerous hypocrisy of seeking forgiveness but refusing to forgive. Maybe today, you need to experience Easter. You need to experience Resurrection Sunday. You need to go from death to life today. Because that's what the resurrection was. The resurrection was Jesus showing us we could go from death to life. Because Jesus went from death to life. We could take everything else he said to the bank because when he said he would die and rise again, he did. So wow, I mean if you got that right. I mean okay, predict the weather, you know, tell me if the stock market's going to go up and down. And get that right, I'm going I'm to have some, some faith in your predictions. I'm going to say, you're pretty good at what you do. But if you tell me, I'm going to set my eyes on Jerusalem, we're heading there, I'm going to be betrayed, they're going to crucify me, but I'm going to rise again, and you do it, then that's going to get my attention. And today, I want to ask, has Jesus gotten your attention? Have you trusted Him as your Savior. Have you submitted to the gospel? The gospel. A great acronym for us that we learned just a, couple, uh, just a week ago. God's character, G. The offense of sin, O. The sufficiency of Christ, S. Personal response, P. Eternal urgency, E. And life transformation, L. That's the gospel. I'm going to do the same thing I did last week, what we learned. This is you. This is your life right here. Everything you have ever done is recorded in a book or on a phone. Everything, good, bad, doesn't matter. It's all here. I don't like my book so much. At least some of the chapters, right? God is here. God is perfect. God is love. God is just. In every way, He is exactly what should be. And He loves us. And He wants to have a relationship with us. But He cannot leave sin unpunished. We've all sinned, the Bible tells us. We have all sinned. Romans 3, 23, none righteous, no, not one. God wants to do that, but that sin is a problem. That sin is a barrier between me and God. Keeps me from getting to him, will not allow him to come to me. It's offensive. But then God sent Jesus, who was sufficient. He was enough. He died Friday. Friday sinless, undeserving of the death. He rose this morning, proving his power over sin, proving that he is exactly who he said he was. And on that cross, he offered a way out. He took my sins on himself. He took your sins on himself. And then three days later, he rose from the grave, 50 days later, he ascended into heaven and he's sitting right next to God. Now, the sin problem's been taken care of, right? I told you earlier that everybody's sins are forgiven. The sin issue is not an issue anymore, but it still requires the P, the personal response. Because God will not come and get us and force us. And we cannot get to him on our own. We have to respond in faith. To Jesus Christ and say, I trust what you did. And y'all, you don't have tomorrow. I mean, you're not guaranteed it. There's an eternal urgency. The, the choice you make today of following Christ or not following Christ affects your forever. So this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and say, I'll do it next week, you are gambling your eternity on the fact that you'll be back next week. There is an eternal urgency to make a decision for Christ today. And then, because of that decision that you make, you make a personal response to follow Jesus, then there is life transformation. The L of gospel. There is a life transformation that says, I forgive other people whether they deserve it or not. I show mercy when I, because I have been shown mercy. Mercy, just like Jesus tells us at the end of the model prayer. So will you do that today? You've heard the message. You've heard the gospel. But just because you've heard it doesn't mean you benefit from it. You jump out of a plane. You don't pull the ripcord on the parachute. It doesn't matter how good a parachute it is. It doesn't matter how much you trust that parachute until you accept it. Until you pull that ripcord, it doesn't do you any good. Until you respond to Jesus, it does not do you any good. Your church membership doesn't help you. Your good works don't help you. Your prayers don't help you. A personal response to Jesus is the only thing that can help you. And today, what a wonderful day to accept Christ and have your life dead and buried with Jesus and then resurrected because you trusted Him as Savior. I pray today somebody will make that decision. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we are forgiven. I thank you that, that you proved your love for us and that while we were yet sinners, you died on that cross for us Friday afternoon. But God, even... Even more glorious than that was not that you died for us because, you know, somebody might die for somebody else. You rose. You proved to us everything you said was true. Lord, thank you for providing salvation through your Son. Jesus, thank you for going through what you went through for me, for Mike for Earl Bradley, for Joseph Stalin, for Ted Bundy, for Etta, for every person here this morning. None of us deserving, but all of us freely offered the gift of forgiveness and salvation. Lord, I pray this morning somebody accepts that gift. Work on hearts today. Soften, hardened, packed, concrete hearts to respond in faith. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So your decision today is eternally urgent, but how will your life be transformed? Maybe you need to respond to the gospel and accept Christ. Maybe there are other things you need to do. Follow in obedience and baptism. Maybe there's forgiveness you need to have towards someone else. And, and, and they don't care if you forgive them. They couldn't give a rat's well rear end. end whether you forgive them or not. That is not your problem. Your problem is will you forgive them? Is it affecting your relationship with God? Is it affecting your communication with God? Maybe, as I said earlier, you can't forgive because you've never experienced the forgiveness. Today is your day. I'll be down front. If you want me to pray with you, I would love to do that. Maybe you want to come to the altar and pray all by yourself. That's great. Maybe you want to tell me how you accepted Christ today, that finally the gospel made sense to you. Come, let me celebrate that with you. But we are going to stand... Let's sing, and as we sing, you do business with God today.